This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I had the privilege of interviewing Katrina Hale, who is a psychologist specialising in surrogacy counselling. And many of you will know uh, Katrina, having either heard her name repeated everywhere in the surrogacy community or having had the privilege of her as your surrogacy counsellor. Katrina really knows surrogacy. She understands the complexity of surrogacy and the relationships. She's not afraid to have the tough conversations when she needs to. She's really a fantastic advocate and support for surrogates and intended parents. And I have to say it's been a real privilege not only to interview her, but to be able to bring you this interview, which hopefully can be used as a resource for any intended parent or surrogate at any stage of their journey. I'm going to hand over now to Katrina. Uh, my name's Katrina Hale and I'm a psychologist who has experience working in the field of surrogacy counselling. I've got 20 years of counselling experience as a psychologist and I've been working uh, in the surrogacy field for I think about eight years or so, uh, six to eight years. Um, and there's, there's different types of counselling in surrogacy. There's the mandatory counselling, which is, uh, comes required under the legislation or it might be required by the IVF clinics um, or you know, different policies and, and laws. Um, and there's also just supportive counselling, which is provided uh, you know, throughout a surrogacy journey or for people who are considering going uh, on a surrogacy journey or, uh, you know, could be, you know, birth and beyond, you know, people sort of coming to terms with, you know, maybe a journey that wasn't so good. Can you tell us, when you say mandatory counselling, what does that involve? Uh, well, it depends on which state you're based in, uh, which state you're doing your surrogacy in, and therefore which legislation uh, that your surrogacy is falling under. Um, so, Pretty much all states, uh, all states have uh, a mandatory requirement that everybody uh, entering into a surrogacy arrangement undertakes uh, pre-surrogacy counselling. So that's you know prior to signing a surrogacy agreement uh, and and conceiving, attempting to conceive a child. Some states also have requirements for post-birth counselling. Um, some don't. So uh, and that's that's usually about the making of the parentage order to make sure that everybody understands what the parentage order is about. Um, whereas the pre-surrogacy counselling is more about preparing people uh, to enter into a surrogacy arrangement, making sure they understand the social and psychological implications of taking on the co complexities and challenges of surrogacy. So a lot of people, when they start looking into surrogacy and they start thinking about booking in appointments for counselling and legal advice will ask, well, what does, this, what does the counselling involve? They may never have actually been to a counsellor and they're a bit nervous about it. What would you say as an overview of what the, the, what the counselling involves? Absolutely. It's like most people, uh, you know, when I ask them how they're feeling about the, the counselling, their answer is nervous um, because, uh, yeah, you know, counselling, it, it, you know, it, it is a bit shrouded in mystery um, and there can be a bit of a stigma about it. Normally people, you know, go to see a counsellor when there's something wrong or something not working in their life or, you know, there's, you know, some sort of issue or Ill, you know, mental illness. So uh, it does have a bit of a stigma stigma about it. Uh, whereas the counselling for surrogacy, it definitely it doesn't mean that anything's wrong. Uh, you're more, it's more sort of providing counsel, uh, which is you know, giving people you know, that sort of guidance and preparation um, for, you know, to help them understand what they're embarking on as a surrogacy journey. 
in some states, there's also what's called like an assessment for suitability to enter into a surrogacy arrangement. Um, most, a lot of people, like particularly intended parents, when they hear that word assessment for suitability, what they think is I'm going to be scrutinised for my right to be a parent or my worthiness to be a parent. Uh, it's not actually about that. Uh, intended parents don't need to meet any parenting benchmarks beyond you know, general child welfare issues. Um, so, you know, being a homeless drug addict, uh, you know, would be an exclusion criteria. But apart from that, it's like surrogacy is about trying to get you to become a parent. Uh, but it's a very uh, emotionally, you know, psychologically, socially uh, complex, you know, legally complex road to get there. So it's actually about making sure that you are able to handle the surrogacy journey itself. So, you know, you need to be sort of good within yourself, good within your relationship, have a good relationship with your surrogate in her family or, you know, intended parents and, you know, and their significant others. Um, you know, everybody needs to have the, enough support and enough resources, uh, you know, to, to handle the demands and the challenges and the stresses of a surrogacy journey. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's really about sort of making sure it's, it's going to be uh, viable, uh, a viable journey. You know, it's, it's like if you're preparing for any journey, uh, you know, have you got the tires pumped up? Have you got oil and water in the car? You know, is the car roadworthy uh, before you sort of drive it across the Nullarbor Plain? If a surrogate in particular was looking at um, considering being a surrogate, often she will ask if she's, um, if she's had a previous mental health history, whether that will impact on her able to do surrogacy. Have you, have you got any thoughts about that and any, any sort of comments for any woman that's thinking about it but might think their mental health history impacts on their journey? Mm -hmm. uh, mental health issues are very common uh, in society. Uh, you know, the statistics are, you know, probably about, uh, you know, 20% of people would have experienced depression or anxiety at some time in their life. So uh, it would be unrealistic, you know, to think that, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, people that people wanting to do surrogacy either as an intended parent or as a surrogate uh, would somehow have uh, you know, got through life without having some experience of, of a mental health challenge. Um, so, so the short answer is uh, you know, no, not necessarily. Um, again, it's, it's sort of uh, what I'm looking for is uh, you know, does that person's mental health issue impact on their capacity uh, to manage the challenges of surrogacy. Uh, so if it's a previous mental health issue, um, then yeah, it's, it's like how far in the past, you know, what, what did they learn from it? Uh, you know, is it likely to reoccur uh, you know, uh, yeah, during the surrogacy, during a surrogate pregnancy? Is there anything in surrogacy or in pregnancy or in birth which could trigger it, you know, re happening again? Um, you know, it, it's like what would be a management plan that we could put in place? So it's really very, very specific um, to the person, um, you know, and then that person in the context of the surrogacy group that they're in. So someone with uh, a mental health issue, uh, you know, it, like I might see that, yes, that mental health issue uh, could be managed because of the personalities or the relationship or the strength or the 
resources of the group that they're in. Whereas that person with that same mental health issue in a different surrogacy relationship isn't going to work. Uh, you know, if it was a surrogate because the intended parents, you know, don't have the capacity to, uh, you know, support the surrogate, you know, if, if that mental health issue uh, creates a challenge. Mm. I know lots of women who might think about being surrogates um, will find that they have lots and lots of questions. Their partner might have lots of questions. What would you suggest for them if they're embarking on their surrogacy journey and deciding if it's the right one for their family? What should they do to start off with? I really encourage people uh, considering surrogacy, particularly from the uh, surrogate side, but also intended parents, to have pre-counselling. So this is actually sort of having counselling uh, with yourself and your partner about entering into a surrogacy journey. It's the way to get all those lots and lots and lots of questions answered. Um, you know, often, yeah, partners will have a different set of questions. Um, so it's really, yeah, it, it's a way to sort of decide whether surrogacy is going to be right for you as an individual, as a couple, and also as a family, because being a surrogate isn't just a hobby that you can do on the side. It's not like going to a yoga class. Um, it's, you know, your partner and your entire family is going to come along for the journey. There's a, you know, a huge amount of uh, commitment and, uh, you know, sacrifice uh, that's, that's required by the whole family unit. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, you know, the surrogacy forums are great to get those, those questions answered. Uh, but if you really want something which is, you know, tailored to you, then, yeah, you can always have, you know, an hour or two um, of, you know, asking someone who knows. Mm. What elements are you looking for in terms of how to make it a good journey? Like, a, yeah, like a, a, a surrogacy, an altruistic surrogacy arrangement, um, at, at its foundation, it's, it's a relationship. It's a group of people coming together to help bring a child into the world where everybody in that group recognises that that, that child uh, is the child of the intended parents. They are the intended parents. Uh, but it's like a sort of a socially cooperative uh, endeavour um, where, you know, it's, it's like the, a group of people, have, you know, it's, it's having a baby between a group of people. Um, one of the things where surrogacy goes very wrong, like particularly altruistic surrogacy, is where people approach it in a transactional manner. So uh, that's where, um, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, intended parents, you know, they might have been told, uh, if you wish to continue to you know, try and have a family, uh, all other pathways are closed to you or all other pathways have uh, failed. So therefore, all that's left for you is, you know, if you wish to continue, you, you uh, you need to use surrogacy. You need to find yourself a surrogate. So therefore, they're like, right, we've got to find ourselves a surrogate. Where's the surrogate shop? So, uh, you know, it's, it's to sort of go, right, we, we need to find a surrogate, and, you know, click that surrogate into place, uh, and then we'll achieve the goal at the end of it of having a baby. Um, so, you know, we'll sort of, you know, get the legal agreement, you know, tick the box of the counselling, and, you know, it's, 
you know, it, it's, it's often, you know, through people just sort of not wanting that intimacy of relationship or fearing, uh, you know, you know it's, it's like, a, you know, it's sort of losing so much if this, if this woman sort of, you know, carries my child, like, you know, what if she has, you know, a relationship with the child? What if she wants to keep the child? Uh, you know, what if, you know, the child prefers her? So often people sort of want to, you know, they want to keep it, you know, neatly compartmentalised and sort of transactional um, out of, you know, like a lot of uh, fear, um, uh, you know, fear of, um, yeah, you know, like what they're losing or, or you know, or, or what, you know, what this other person's going to do or want. Um, so if I think, uh, yeah, what makes a good surrogacy journey is people if, is recognizing that relation, that it's a relationship, recognizing that it's a very dependent, intimate relationship, uh, just because there's a legal agreement, uh, doesn't make it neat and tidy. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, because there's a legal agreement in place, it's not a contract, you know, it's, it doesn't turn it into a business. You know, there are financial aspects to it, but again, it doesn't turn it into a business. You know, I sometimes wonder whether um, because there is uh, commercial surrogacy overseas where, where sometimes people apply those expectations uh, to altruistic surrogacy and just see uh, the fact that the surrogate doesn't get paid as a as a bonus, as a bargain, great. You know, we can save some money, you know, through not having to pay our surrogate. Whereas altruistic surrogacy is a completely different emotional, psychological, social model to a commercial surrogacy arrangement. Mm. Um, I have to reflect on my experience of having counselling with you and noting that it wasn't just about the surrogacy arrangement, but we've, we've had lots of discussions about um, the relationship with my family and egg donation and my relationship with the baby and with the intended parents. So could you give maybe some details there about how far the surrogacy counselling can extend and um, maybe some insight into your expertise in that, in that regard? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, because I've, because I've been a psychologist for at least 20 years, um, that gives me a, a wealth of experience with everything, you know, e everything that human beings go through. And, uh, you know, and I've been thinking about human beings for at least 20 years. Um, so therefore, you know, coming into surrogacy, um, I can apply, um, yeah, I can, I can apply that, that wealth of, of knowledge and experience to surrogacy um, because, the people you know people bring into surrogacy themselves you know so they bring in themselves and their own history which could be like you said a mental health history it could be uh, a, a, a family history you know it's their family history it's their trauma history you know they bring in their relationship history with their partner they bring in their family dynamics they bring in their expectations of relationships they bring in their uh, fertility trauma they bring in their you know social fertility trauma you know so everybody uh, like every intended parent gets to the starting line um, of surrogacy through a journey of pain so a heterosexual couple you know gets there through a journey of pain of infertility 
So uh, a, a same-sex male couple gets to the starting line of surrogacy through a, 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 you know, social infertility, you know, a journey of social pain. So you know, it's very important to sort of understand um, the full package of what everybody's bringing because it's a very, very intense and complex relationship that then you know, people get in. Uh, it's, it's like, uh, you know, people say, oh, it's a surrogacy journey. And I call it the surrogacy road trip because once you're pregnant, um, you know, then it's like you're locked in a minivan with each other. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, very, very dependent on each other. The intended parents are, are dependent on their surrogate because she has their baby, you know, so they, you know, don't want her to go anywhere. The surrogate is dependent on the intended parents because she doesn't want, she didn't do this to become pregnant and have another baby. So she doesn't want them going anywhere. So it's not like it's, it's, you know, much more intense than say a friendship, you know, in a friendship, if someone says, um, let's say someone annoys you or niggles you, you know, you can just go, Oh, I'm just not going to deal with them for, a month or so or a few months i'll just sort of i'll just sort of wait till it washes under the bridge you know i just won't call them you know whereas if you're pregnant you know in, in a surrogacy pregnancy there's no six weeks of just going oh just just not going to deal with that person you know you are locked in a dependency together so it's a very 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 intense relationship and you know it's a stressful it's a stressful time a stressful relationship navigating uncharted territory and what happens under stress is, is people's uh, personalities in coping mechanisms they regress you know, they go back to uh, yet more immature forms or, you know, and things like that. So it's when then, yeah, you, you know, it's like being locked in a minivan with someone for nine months. You find out exactly who they are and there's no escaping uh, because, yeah, you, you know, just you dependent on each other. Mm. Um, I know that you've written a list of things for people to read when they are starting the road trip. I was wondering if you could tell us about that. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so that, uh, because what I see a lot is um, uh, people jumping into, to surrogacy arrangements. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. So it's, it's hard to find uh, a surrogate. Uh, there's limited ways to find a surrogate. Um, so, you know, people, uh, might often, you know, find, you know, intended parents and surrogates find each other on the online surrogacy forums, uh, which is great. You know, where else do you find each other? So, um, and then they, they form a connection um, and they'll often spend about three months getting to know each other. So, and in that time, it's very, very intense because they're, they're you know, you know, working out what they have in common and if they have sort of common surrogacy goals together. Um, and it's, it's very much the, like a, an early sort of dating courtship, you know, relationship rose to the glasses period. So, you know, and then at the end of at the, at the three month mark, they go, great, you know, we're in love with each other. You know, these people are perfect. Let's go and have a baby together. So, but at that three month mark, 
you know, even biochemically, you've still got the rose-tinted glasses on. You know, it's like you cannot see the other person's flaws. Uh, you know, it's the same as happens in every relationship, you know, friendship or, or intimate romantic relationship. Um, so, so people, they, you know, they, they sort of then progress to falling pregnant, but a lot of the times they might not have, you know, they've chatted online a lot, but they've only met each other once or twice in person. You know, it's like they, the relationship is at a, still at a very, uh, superficial level uh but it's you know got a lot of sort of vibe and intensity but then they jump into the deepest you know type of relationship which is like let's have a baby together and you know let's get locked in a minivan you know together for nine months you know when we've only known each other for three months and we've met in person once or twice um so yeah, it's, it's like the problems I see is people jumping in to the commitment of a surrogate pregnancy way, way too early, you know, you know before they get to know people, uh, you know, the people they're doing this with. Uh, they might attend the counselling and in the counselling, you know everybody has discussed this is going to happen you know this is what you know it's like there's an agreement yes yes we're you know we're going to do this and we're going to do that and of course you know we'll do this and of course we'll do that uh that's just words you know it's like if if there's not a verification of those words you know if there's not the action and the trust and the demonstration you know of you know, what was discussed in counselling, it sure as hell isn't going to happen, you know, in the surrogacy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you know, I think people really need to spend 12 months uh, getting to know each other. You know, no one can keep the visitor face on for 12 months. So, you know, you know this is a you know, surrogacy. It's a lifelong relationship. If you have a child, then you are going to be connected forever. Mm -hmm through the child. So, uh, you know, it's part of the child's right to know their identity. Uh, so, you know, do you want this to be a, a warm and, you know, enjoyable and loving connection? Or do you want it to be more like a divorce, you know, where there's a child, you know, involved, but nobody can get on with or talk to each other. So, you know, it's very, very important to recognise that it is a relationship not a transaction, not a contract, not a business deal. You know, it's a relationship and therefore treat it like any other relationship. Mm. I think that's perfect. And as a family lawyer, yeah, I think you're right. I think, unfortunately, those ones that go bad, it often looks like a divorce at the end of it. Mm. And mm. it's one of those things that you're then linked for life but might not actually have a very good relationship. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, no, nobody comes out you know, feeling good at the end. And then that is the child's story. You know, it's like, oh, how did you, how and why did you come into the world? Mm. Uh, well, yeah, with a whole lot of conflict and disharmony and broken relationships and people feeling used and abandoned, you know? Oh, that was nice. 
Thanks. Welcome to the world. So for people who are intended parents and are thinking about their surrogacy options, what would you say if they, had, if they were considering overseas and commercial options versus altruistic in Australia, what should they be looking for to make those decisions? Mm -hmm. So, well, from like a sort of a, a, a legal ethical standpoint, you know, as a psychologist who, uh, you know, like works in, you know, in the surrogacy field in Australia, um, you know, I can't actively, you know, promote people going overseas to do commercial surrogacy because it is against the law uh, in most states. Um, you know, however, I recognise obviously that plenty of people do. Um, so there is, like I said, there's a big, there's a, they're two completely different models. Um, you know, it's like you wouldn't choose to do domestic surrogacy in Australia because it was cheaper. You know, it's, it's like, you know, it, you know, the fact that you, that the surrogate doesn't get paid in money means that there is an alternative currency. Uh, it's, you know, the currency of altruism. Surrogacy in general might not be right for you. So, you know, again, you might be told if you want to uh, continue your quest to have a child, your, the last remaining option to you is surrogacy. For some people, emotionally, that it might not be right for them. You know, it might, you know, they might personally recognise that they uh, aren't able to do it psychologically or emotionally. Um, other people, you know, might not think that deeply. You know, all they, all they feel is like the empty gaping hole in their heart that they want to fill with a child. So they just go, well, any means to the end you know, without actually considering the implications of what they're doing and how it might affect them uh, emotionally and psychologically afterwards. So, um, so again, you know, altruistic surrogacy is a big relationship commitment. So, you know, it's like, you know, a surrogate uh, is, you know, she's offering an opportunity, uh, you know, to help you uh, create your family. Uh, you know, she's doing that selflessly. You know, she's not getting paid uh, to do that. But the fact that she's not getting paid doesn't mean that what she's doing has no value. So it has a huge value. Uh, you know, that needs to be recognised. And, you know, she needs to have her sacrifice and her commitment. You know, the nine months, 12 months of, you know, putting her life on hold and, you know, pain, discomfort, appointments, you know, it, that needs to be recognised and, you know, appreciated and, you know, emotionally compensated. So if, you're, if you don't have the capacity uh, to take on the responsibility of that relationship as an intended parent, then altruistic surrogacy is not for you. So because it is a relationship. It's not a cheaper version of commercial surrogacy. So commercial surrogacy still has like particularly somewhere, uh, you know, in, uh, in first world countries where there's a, you know, a, a shared language can definitely have a big relationship aspect to it. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, and say, you know, there's also places like Canada where it's an altruistic arrangement. Uh, there, you know, a big obstacle is distance. So, uh, but, you know, like a more commercial surrogacy arrangement, that's where it is more uh, a business deal and it can be, you know, more uh, 
transactional and compartmentalized and more where you sort of get what you pay for. Uh, whereas in altruistic surrogacy, there's no guarantees. So, uh, you know, you can do, do all the legals, do all the counseling, you know, pay all the money and then there's not a baby at the end of it. So the same can happen in, in commercial surrogacy, but depending on the type of, uh, you know, situation that you deal with, uh, there, it can be more, more predictable. Uh, you know, there can be more, um, you know, they can often, you know, there's usually then sort of like a, 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 an agency or a, a broker in between who basically manages a lot of the relationship aspects for you. Um, and particularly the tricky bits of the relationship, like money, uh, which cause a lot of problems in altruistic surrogacy arrangements. That's amazing. Thank you. I think that was a really good roundup of what I see in surrogacy. And, and when people are considering their options, they often don't really uh, understand the complexity of altruistic surrogacy and do think it's a cheaper option when, when actually mm. it takes a lot more time and commitment and emotional energy as well. Yeah, yeah, because I've even been thinking, you know, when I sort of look at, you know, like the people who approach it to sort of go like, is, is it like, do you actually at some level think because she's not getting paid, it has no value? If intended parents are feeling that grief and sadness about not being able to have a baby without needing a surrogate or donors, etc., what would your advice be about how they manage their, their sadness and anger or any other feelings? Mm. Um, yeah, either when they're searching or making decisions about surrogacy and then throughout the process. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that pain, that sadness, uh, that grief, that loss, that anger, it's all very, very legitimate. So, you know, it, like I said, uh, you know, every, every, you know, to get to the starting line of surrogacy, you know, there's a journey of pain before that. Uh, so it's not to say that, uh, you know, intended parents should be you know, going, hooray, you know, get to do surrogacy. Uh, you know, surrogacy is generally, uh, you know, a, an option that is there, you know, at, at the end of a long journey. So, um, but, it, you know, it's, it, it means that the pathway can still go on. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's unrealistic, uh, you know, to sort of say that, intended parents, you know, wouldn't have pain and shouldn't have pain. Of course they do. Um, but that's something, you know, once you, you know, once you then go over the start line of surrogacy, that's when how intended parents manage that pain and manage that sadness and manage that anger uh, and manage that, that feeling that life's not unfair becomes very, very important because we've now got into the realm of a surrogacy relationship. So uh, it's not the surrogate's job to carry that pain. It's not the surrogate's job to compensate for that pain. You know, a surrogate is not there uh, you know, she does not owe you uh, a baby. You know, it's, it, you know, so therefore, you know, a surrogate's job is to carry the baby, not carry your pain. So therefore, um, you know, not carry your uh, resentment, not carry your jealousy, not carry your fear. So, you know, intended parents need to make sure that they are psychologically ready 
to take on a surrogacy journey, to cross that start line. So, you know, the pain is not going to go away uh, because of surrogacy. Uh, you know, it's, it's like it's something that they need to learn to manage, but they need to learn to manage it outside of uh, the, their relationship with their surrogate. So they need to have their own support system, their own counselling, their own confidence, you know, to help them carry that pain, not to expect their surrogate to carry it for them in addition to the baby. So if people are scheduling in the counselling, what can they expect from the, the consult sessions and the process that they have to go through? Okay. So, yeah, there's, there's um, not a lot of uh, psychologists who work in the surrogacy field. So one of the challenges is actually finding someone um, who's not too far away who can do your counselling for you. Um, there's some counselling which might occur in an IVF clinic and there's, uh, you know, a, a fair bit which is done by uh, in an independent counsellor. So every counsellor... Um, has their own process so and also every, every counsellor needs to uh, meet certain um, you know qualifications and requirements in order to do surrogacy counselling so yeah every counsellor follows their own process so there's um, you know but the, the basic process is that there'll be uh, a counselling session with the uh, intended parents uh, a counselling session with the surrogate and you know and her partner um, and then a group counselling session so um, normally there'll be a formal personality assessment, um, which is, you know, just one part of the entire assessment. And a lot of counsellors, you know, will give like a questionnaire, you know, to fill out in advance. So, um, you know, with the counselling process that I do, it's quite comprehensive. Um, it's, you know, quite a number of hours of counselling. There's quite a bit of paperwork. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a good idea. A lot of people sort of go, oh, right, we've got the uh, ethics committee deadline, ethics committee meeting in, in two weeks. Can we get our counselling done? So um, it's unrealistic. You know, the counselling process needs to give everybody involved time to think about what comes up in the counselling. So it's not a ticker box. You know, someone who's saying, oh, we, you know, can we get our counselling done in two weeks' time? They are approaching the counselling as a tick box requirement. Oh, you know, we need to get our counselling. You know, where's the counsellor to tick that box for us? Um, you know, it's, you know it's, it's like there's a lot to learn from counselling if you listen. So, uh, you know, it's, it really is an opportunity to sort of uh, think about and process things at a deep level within yourself, within your couple and in, within your group relationship. So, uh, you know, to sort of invest the time and energy and to, you know, take it seriously because, like I said, there's a lot to learn. So at the end of the counselling with pre-surrogacy, then the counsellor will write a report and then that report, um, if you're doing gestational surrogacy, uh, goes to the clinic, uh, which is a confirmation that counselling has been attended and also the assessment has been conducted. Um, and then the report would also be used at the time when you apply for the parentage order. So the report would also go to the lawyer at some stage um, if there was the parentage order being made. I get lots of queries from people about, um, you know, they hear lots of the good stories in surrogacy and that's lovely, but in preparing for their own surrogacy journey, what are the things that could go wrong that they need to prepare for? 
Do you have any insights mm. to that sort of thing and, you know, where has it gone wrong and, and how people can avoid it? Yeah, I mean, you know, surrogacy journeys when they go well are just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, and when they go wrong, they are catastrophic. You know, they can be absolutely catastrophic because there's so many emotions and, and such high stakes involved. So generally where they go wrong is uh, people having unrealistic expectations. So um, for uh, you know, intended parents, you know, if they're sort of um, approaching it as uh, you know, a transaction, you know, I've got to find a surrogate and, you know, she'll carry the baby and then we'll get our baby at the end. And then, you know, the, the transaction is done. Um, or when they've got that sense of entitlement, you know, it, it's like life has dealt us a, a bad hand or it's been so unfair. We are entitled to a surrogate. You know, someone owes us. So, uh, which can, you know, come out in subtle ways. So, um, or, you know, for, for surrogates, if, if they sort of think, oh, this is not going to be too big a deal, you know, it's just going to be carrying, you know, I carry pregnancies really easily and, uh, you know, it's just like carrying another pregnancy. You know, they don't recognise that there's very a big difference between how you feel about carrying a pregnancy for yourself versus how you might feel about you know vomiting for 36 hours when you're carrying someone else's baby you know so you've been vomiting for 36 hours and you know you're just thinking to yourself you know i wouldn't be doing this apart from the fact that i'm carrying my this kid for my intended parents i wonder what they're up to let's have a look on facebook you know and then your intended parents are out at the theater drinking cocktails you know it's like you know, there's a, a whole different dimension to that. You know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like, great, here I am vomiting and you're out living your life like normal, you know. So, you know, it's not something you, you do on the side. It's, it's very different to, you know, your own pregnancy. You know, your, like I said, your whole family, your partner comes along for the ride. Uh, it's a very, very big commitment. So I think a lot of surrogates underestimate um, the intensity and the commitment, you know, every single surrogate, you know, who comes through to do her second, you know, every single surrogate says it was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Every single intended parent says it was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Every surrogate who comes, uh, you know, get, getting ready for her second surrogacy says, this time I'm going to ask for what I really need. So, you know, there's an underestimation, you know, of, of the dependency. Um, things can also go wrong through, through broken promises. Um, often in that early courtship phase, um, you know, surrogates are scarce. Uh, you know, intended parents, you know, they, they often feel like they have to agree to everything their surrogate wants, um, you know, to sort of keep her you know there's a fear well what if what if what if we don't keep her happy what if we don't make her happy um but this a surrogate is listening you know in that early phase you know she's listening to every single thing that the intended parents commit to and promise because she knows you know she's making a huge commitment so then when those promises aren't followed through with you know all those expectations aren't met you know she feels very taken advantage of you know or used you know uh, you know, used and unappreciated. Um, it can also just be in sort of communication, uh, you know, of, of expectations. You know, post-birth, you know, intended parents might say, yes, of course we'll catch up regularly. And, you know, surrogate says, yes, of course we'll catch up regularly. What's your definition of regular? So, you know, you can 
you know, spend a lot of time together, uh, you know, catching up with each other very frequently, very regularly during a surrogate pregnancy because there's a reason to meet. <laughs> You're pregnant together. You know, there's appointments and, you know, just yeah, a reason to bring you together. So once that's all gone, what's regular? For some people, regular means every single day. For other people, regular means once a year. I catch up with my friends regularly once a year. So there can just be a difference in expectations and communications. You know, of course, you know, uh, you know, we're going to support you in any way you need. You know, what does that mean? You know, let us know if you need anything. What's on your list of anything? You know, tell us what you need. How do I define what I need? You know, is it unrealistic? Am I being a diva? You know, it's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot of the stuff is just around people thinking that they've communicated, uh, you know, and agreed on their expectations when in fact they haven't. It's a bit like when you go to the hairdresser and you think you've described your perfect haircut and it turns out completely different. Human communication is very dodgy. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, a lot of it is, is uh, you know, things that go wrong is, uh, you know, post-birth. But it's a massive transition in the relationship, uh, particularly if people don't have any foundation of friendship, uh, which predated the surrogacy. So then, you know, the surrogacy as a pregnancy and as a project is over. And then they're sort of in this limbo of, well, who are we? And what's our friendship? You know, now that we don't have the busyness of surrogacy. Um, you know, money causes huge problems, you know, in surrogacy. Uh, you know, it's, again, it's a dependency. You know, a surrogate is dependent on the intended parents, uh, you know, to you know, reimburse her financially. Uh, you know, intended parents can, you know, feel like, well, what if we get taken advantage of financially? So, um, you know, the, again, it's sort of, uh, well, if, if intended parents are trying to fit surrogacy into a budget, you know, we've only got $40,000. It can't cost more than $40,000. Uh, you know, then they're going to try and squeeze the surrogacy into a budget, you know, have an expectation that the surrogate needs to sort of limit or ration or you know go without you know things that she might need you know it can come out as questions of like oh how much does that cost you know do you really need it you know can you get a cheaper one you know so uh you know it can, you know, it can be surrogate sort of not you know not sure it's like a, oh you know is is this reasonable or not reasonable for me to ask this so uh you know their you know, communication expectations uh you know surrogacy dynamics uh you know and, and uh, relationship dynamics thank you katrina for your insights because i think it's such a valuable resource and it's sort of we you know in the surrogates group we really appreciate any insights from katrina hale um because we know <laughs> that whatever katrina says is going to help us have a good journey and i think you're an amazing resource for our community and um yeah, this, hopefully this recording can help people have good preparations for their surrogacy journey going forward. If you are looking to contact Katrina or have a look at the other resources that she has available, you can go to her website, which is katrinahalepsychology.com.au. I have also linked her 20 things uh, post on my website at sarahjefford.com. And you can also find me on Instagram or on Facebook.